0: You're listening to Language Nerds to Earth, a podcast about linguistics, culture, travel, and how they're all connected. And now it's time to meet your language nerd hosts. One in China, one in Spain. It's Patrice and Rachel. Hi, everyone. I'm Patrice. And I'm Rachel. And this is Language Nerds Do Earth. We are on episode number 27.
1: Yeah, man.
0: Chugging along there.
1: Yeah. So, we're almost at Halloween, which is very exciting.
0: Yes, and if you didn't catch our episode on fall festivals last week, then go ahead and check that out. I don't know about you guys, but I've already done a Halloween party. I was really happy with the results.
1: (laughs) I have not done anything Halloween-related yet, but Wednesday night, maybe we're going out. Nice. And Thursday, that's a holiday here. We're going to watch some spooky stuff, and have, like, soup and, you know, stuff like that. Nice. And, like, candy.
0: <laughs> soup and candy. Dinner of <laughs> champions.
1: <laughs> and, like, baked brie and stuff like that, you know.
0: Oh, my God. Stop. Now I'm excited. <laughs> that sounds really good. Do you put jam in the brie? Usually we have it on, like, the side. So do you eat it with bread and brie and jam mm-hmm. together in
1: one? Yeah. Oh my god. And like it's it in wonderful. you know, like a a puff pastry thing.
0: Oh my god. I you know, <laughs> that's what I'm missing is puff pastry.
1: Mm.
0: I wonder if we could I'm make trying. it. I probably could. i made I made pumpkin pie from scratch last week, so Woo! you could probably make puff pastry,
1: yeah. How did it, it turn really out?
0: Good. It turned out pretty well. I chose the simplest recipe for the crust that I possibly could. So <laughs> It was not as exciting as it could have been, I feel, the crust. Okay. So I do want to work on that. But yeah, I got a pumpkin, and I took out the inside, and I like baked the meat of the pumpkin. Mm. And um, then I mashed it up and combined it with the other ingredients you need in pumpkin pie.
1: Turned out pretty well. Very impressive. Definitely tastes like pumpkin pie. Yeah, I find crust pretty challenging. Mm -hmm. So if I have the option, I usually... (laughs)
0: <laughs> mm mm-hmm. oh yeah pre-made crust all the way definitely i love it <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah
0: it's hard to find in china people don't usually eat pie i'm sure yeah you know the mcdonald's pies they look like hot pockets
1: yeah
0: fast food chains are taking that design and making it a pastry with like filling that's pie apple pie or stuff, oh, stuff like that okay but now, like, my Chinese second-graders think that pie looks like a Hot Pocket and not like a regular pie. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, on the PowerPoint presentations that the school uses, you'll get to a picture of what looks like a Hot Pocket, but no, it's pie. And they're like, pie! Apple pie! I like pineapple pie! I'm like, that's not pie! <laughs> pineapple pie? Yeah. That's also... <laughs> Different, but okay. Yeah, this is China. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this week we're going to talk about jobs that you can get as a traveling fool. First, we're going to talk about digital nomads. Yeah. And then different kinds of jobs that you can work as somebody who's traveling. We have a long list of three categories of travel jobs. Jobs that require travel, digital nomad jobs, and backpacker travel jobs.
1: So that way we can kind of organize into different ways that people do this goal of, you know, traveling and working at the same time. Exactly. And also, yeah, if you're interested in pursuing something like that, it would give you kind of a framework of thinking about it. Yeah,
0: exactly. But
1: first we have
0: some language news.
1: Yeah, this one's really fun. Yeah. This is it's very light-hearted. I love it. I, yeah.
0: yeah, I can totally relate to it as well. Yeah. So we found a list of the top ten foreign words that sound like they're opposite in English. Have you ever experienced this?
1: Yeah, I remember in Korean, mm-hmm. you know, how yes and no are kind of... They sound kind of ah. like the opposite of what you would think. Yes. Ne is yes.
0: Yeah, Exactly. I totally forgot about that, but you're right. That reminds me of when I first got there. My most recent language at the time was German. I lived in the former East part of Germany, where they ta- they turned like, the I sound into an A sound. So instead of eins, zwei, drei, they'll say something like eins, zwei, Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, instead of saying nein, they'll say ne. Oh. Uh- And then in Korea, the word for yes is (laughs) ne, and that was kind of trippy for me at first too.
1: Yeah, and I think also in Swedish, ne is is no. Oh really? That's what my friends said who are Swedish. Yeah. Because they were really confused by that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it can be really confusing. And so another example is the word caldo, which is hot in Italian. Yeah. Sounds kind of like cold. Yeah. It also looks like it. And pusha sounds like push, but it is Portuguese for pole.
1: Yeah, I love this one. In Georgian, mama is father. So that kind of goes back to what we talked about last week in Language News. And dada is Georgian for mother.
0: That's super interesting.
1: It's interesting. They still have the same sounds, like the mama and the dada kind of thing. Yeah. But it's just the opposite way.
0: Long-winded theory, maybe... In Georgian culture, traditionally, the father is the primary caretaker, because that's kind of... It could be. Yeah. That would make sense. But maybe not. (laughs) Georgians! Let us know. The next one is ne, which is Greek for yes, another thing we've got here, ne. This section also mentions that ano is Czech for yes, and... Anno, which is yes in Slavic, is also often abbreviated to no. So yes and no are really dangerous there, too.
1: Yeah. So the next one, gift in Swedish means poison. Mm-hmm. In German as well. And gift in Icelandic means married. So ah. Ah. so there you go. Huh. That's funny. Marriage is a poison.
0: Yeah. I'm sure you know this, the word for handcuffs in Spanish, mm-hmm. esposas. Yeah. So wives, it's another funny translation. Yeah. Another one we have is hi hi, which is Finnish for goodbye.
1: Yeah. Interesting, because I think in some other, um, well, Finnish is unrelated, but in like, Swedish, and I think also in, like, Icelandic and things like that. Hey, hey is... Hi. Huh. That's funny.
0: Or hey. That's yeah. So backwards. And it's so close, mm-hmm. you know, to other Scandinavian yeah. countries. Another one is a Russian word, and do you think it's horosho? Yeah, horosho. Horosho. Um, it sounds like horror show, but it actually means good or well. <laughs> Yeah. I like that a lot. I think that just like adds to the Russian stereotype that they have. <laughs> just like yeah. Like the Russian culture can be stereotypically kind of intimidating and they say the word horosho and it sounds like they're talking about something really dark but it means good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um hello in Hungarian means goodbye.
0: Oh, they did that just to mess with foreigners, I think. um in french the word officio means unofficial
1: yeah definitely doesn't make sense right he in hebrew means she and apparently is also the same in welsh Man,
0: that kind of stuff, like that little stuff that seems kind of insignificant, that can mess you up the most.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: In Chinese, the word for he, she, and it is pronounced the same, just the characters
1: are different. Does that make sense? So they're pronounced the same, but they're just written differently? Yes, that's right, yes. Okay.
0: The character for he is one symbol And the character for she is kind of similar, but you know when you're reading it that it's she. Okay. And same with it. They're all ta, but when you're speaking, you don't know.
1: That's interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it can be really confusing for Chinese speakers learning English, because they always mess up he and she, because when they speak, it doesn't matter which one they use.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Cool.
0: Yeah, a lot of times I'll be talking to somebody and they'll say... She, like, my daughter, he is here. And a lot of times they won't catch themselves.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what they meant. Yeah, actually, Spanish speakers have trouble with it as well. Huh. And I think it's probably just because they don't normally say the gender every time mm-hmm. that they're talking about a verb. Yeah, that makes sense. Because you can just say runs instead of, like, he runs or she runs. Right, that's true. Another one we have is...
0: Which is the Italian word for men? Mm hmm. Womany. This article says this word is a perennial source of Anglophone toilet embarrassment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds like women. Yeah. <laughs> Womany. Womany.
0: Yeah, you gotta be careful when you are trying to use the restroom. Oh,
1: that's <laughs> funny. And the last one, nosok. In Russian, nosok sounds like no sock and it is Russian for sock (laughs) I really like that one too it's so confusing yeah it's really just it's funny because they developed so like separately you know like English and Russian that those kind of things are totally coincidental it's just funny yeah that's hilarious it's such a funny language very cool. Well, what a fun article. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's from The Independent, and we will be posting it on our show notes as we do every week. So, this week, our topic is travel jobs. If you are in a nine to five in your native country and you really have the travel bug and are looking for other options, then this is the show for
1: you. <laughs> Yeah. So we'll talk about some of the probably more common jobs and we might throw in a couple of kind of stranger ones as well. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and talk about some of the pros and cons. I really like the list that you made. Mm. Yeah. Well, first let's, let's try to find out
0: what is a digital nomad. So We're going to talk about some pros and cons of working and traveling. Mm -hmm. I was reading an article of people who work and travel, and something somebody said that I thought was a good quote was, I truly wake up every day thankful that I've been able to build a life around the things
1: I love. So good. Yeah. And if you're somebody who really likes to travel, I mean, it's amazing. You do get to experience so much more than you otherwise would be able to, you know, traveling a couple times a year Mm -hmm. or once or twice a year. It's amazing. Life tends to
0: get in the way
1: when you're trying to
0: travel a couple times a year. So definitely, especially if you're not retired. I know some retired people who really have made traveling their life. But if you really do need to make money, like Rachel and me, (laughs) and you're not an heir or an heiress, this is the best way to do it, I think.
1: Yeah, you can learn how to be a minimalist. So if you're not always, you know, living in one house or let's say you're backpacking and traveling around, you learn to live with what you actually need instead of lots and lots of extra stuff.
0: Definitely. yeah. Unfortunately, I relearn this lesson every time I move and then I forget. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, especially when we were backpacking around Southeast Asia, I think I had maybe five shirts and a few pairs of pants and, like, two or three dresses and some shoes. And that was it. That's all I had for three months, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's really... Like, you have to. You're carrying it yourself. Right. Everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, and you just learn to live with what what you absolutely need.
0: And not to buy more things. One thing that traveling has really taught me is to highly value um, my experiences above my possessions.
1: Cool. I mean, to be honest, I'm not the most minimalist person. Right.
0: No, me neither. I mean, (laughs) but you're probably more minimalist than somebody who lives in a house and, like, has a lot of storage space.
1: Yeah. I mean, we don't have a lot of room to store stuff, but... I have collected a number of things in the last, like, three years. You make it happen. <laughs> yeah. When we moved, it was like, oh, my God, we have so much stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Although, no furniture. We didn't really have furniture, but just stuff.
0: When we moved across the world last time, first, we moved into our apartment in Charleston with two moving trucks, of furniture like suitcases, just random stuff, and decorations, whatever. And when we left that apartment, we just got rid of as much as we could, and we moved away with two cars full of stuff. Oh, wow. Um, And then we had to cut back even more once we were ready to move abroad. Another pro of traveling and working is a lot of times, especially digital nomads, will be business owners, and they often report being really fulfilled because they built something on their own.
1: Yeah. You can feel proud of the work that you've done, and you can do something that's meaningful to you, and not just something that pays the bills. Yeah, not making somebody else's
0: money for them,
1: basically. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really important one as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course. Another one, you're going to be traveling, you're going to be trying new things, seeing new places, you're constantly getting a lot of stimuli. Meeting a lot of new people. Definitely. And that's amazing. Like to live a life where that's your life, that's so cool. Yeah, definitely. We'll get to the
0: cons in a minute, but yeah, living this life is so wonderful that it can make you a little depressed when it's over. <laughs> Right. And the other pro we have is there's not really a standard that you have to live your life by, so you really kind of have a say over what what you want to do. The way you want to celebrate holidays, the way you want to see your family, how much time you spend in one place or another, everything is really up to you.
1: Yeah, even, let's say, like, this I guess would be more towards a digital nomad, but Maybe you, like, are a person who hates winter or something like that. You can, like, plan your year around it so you never have to live in winter.
0: Right. That's pretty cool.
1: How much you work, where you work, when you work Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah.
0: But on the other hand, there can be cons to traveling and working. Especially if you are doing the kind of job that requires a lot of moving around. Rachel and I are a little bit more stationary, so one thing that I like about being abroad and working in one place is I can establish a routine. I don't want too much of a routine, like I don't want to get stuck in a rut, but I do find that having a gym schedule and
1: Mm -hmm.
0: knowing where the grocery stores are so I can cook things, like that kind of stuff is important to me
1: yeah me too I don't know that I would be fit to be like a digital nomad yeah you know I like knowing my way around I like having a social group having my kitchen is finally the way that I want yeah it. <laughs> yeah now I have a dog and he has his little friends as well Oh,
0: that's so cool <laughs> I didn't know that
1: yeah when we go to the park he has certain Aww. groups of friends that he likes to play with. Oh.
0: So, a con of being especially a very mobile person is that you don't get a routine and it can be difficult to maintain a social life and a dating life, for example.
1: Yeah, it can be really lonely, especially if you're, let's say, a digital nomad and you're traveling alone. Yeah. Every new place you have to make new relationships. Which can be really draining. Mm-hmm. As well. Yeah, it's exhausting. It's exhilarating, but it's
0: also tiring. Yeah. Right. Jane talked a little bit about that in the episode we did on traveling solo versus in groups versus in partners. Yeah. She got to the point where she would meet all these really great new people, but then she would be like, I cannot be around people anymore. It's exhausting.
1: Yeah, especially when you're, you know, having the get to know you phase. Yeah. Every day or every. New place that you go. Mm-hmm. Another con is, especially when you're super mobile,
0: you might not know where you're going to be in a few months' time. So there's a lot of uncertainty. You just have to live with that uncertainty.
1: Yeah, and it's hard to make plans in advance. Yeah, that would drive me crazy. I'm a planner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to know, at least roughly, what country or what continent I'm going to be in. Yeah, yeah. It can also be difficult to stay healthy. When your body is constantly under stress from travel. Mm -hmm. That kind of goes, I think, also with the routine thing. You know, it's hard to keep a regular eating schedule or exercise routine. Mm -hmm. And if you're somebody who is like a pilot or a flight attendant, Mm -hmm. your body is going through so many time zones constantly. And just being in the cabin pressure is really rough on your body as well. Yeah, I
0: have... Such respect for flight attendants who cross the world over and over every week.
1: Or even if you're just somebody who travels a lot for business, Mm -hmm. and maybe you live in the U.S. and you travel to Europe a lot, like every week or every other week, that's also really rough trying to recover from that. Right.
0: Another one? This is especially for business owners who are traveling, especially bloggers. Your life becomes your job. It's kind of hard to separate the two. Lifestyle bloggers, I think. That's one of the hardest things to do because your job is to enjoy what you're doing and where you're going. But it's also to document everything and take pictures of everything you're doing and these videos of everything that you're doing. And so it can be really difficult, I think,
1: in that case to sit back and try to relax. Yeah, definitely. It can be hard. Maybe I would imagine it would be hard to kind of enjoy it because you're spending so much time. You can't really be in the moment as much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have to think, oh, okay, what
0: would be best for the blog for me to do right now?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also, I think with social media and stuff like that, It's on 24-7, and if you're, like, a blogger or if you are you do something with social media, like, that's accessible to you 24-7, and yeah. you're probably going to be on it, and it's hard to disconnect, really.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, if that's your livelihood, then every second that you're not on it is a potential wasted second. True. In terms of money. And then the last con that we have is actually also a pro, is that you have to make everything up for yourself. There's no set standard for your life. Filling out paperwork. What's your home address? When are you going to see family? And holidays, are you're on your own. You might not find a place that has Christmas or whatever holiday is your favorite one.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Like you said, it can be kind of lonely. Yeah. So let's talk about digital nomads then. What... This is like a term that I think that gets tossed around a lot. Um, so let's just quickly define yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. So usually digital nomads have some type of a business that they own, usually online. It might be social media related or SEO or blogging or content producing, affiliate marketing, Mm -hmm. something like that, or drop shipping Mm -hmm. or ESL teaching is also now
0: becoming a digital nomad job. There are companies that you yeah. can teach online. You just have to stick to a schedule, but otherwise, as long as you have internet, you get paid to work online as an ESL teacher.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. And mm-hmm. in, th- in that case, you don't have to really have your own business. Like you can still work from anywhere, and you might work weird hours, especially with that one. Yeah, definitely.
0: I know some people who work for VIP Kid, for example, and they really like. The freedom that it offers them. I think in the future, unless you're working some kind of trade, all jobs should be work from home. Like I worked in an office last year in Charleston and I was infuriated that I didn't have the option to work at home because it was all online. I didn't really need to be in the office. In fact, I got more work done from home because I didn't have distractions around me.
1: Right. Yeah, I think there are obviously going to be some that you just have to Not work from home, like also yeah, service jobs like waiters Mm -hmm. or working in a hotel. You can't really do that from home unless you're like managing a robot or something. Right? Yeah,
0: (laughs) which would be really cool, by the way. Could good idea.
1: (laughs) But a lot of jobs that people do commonly or website developers. Yeah, website design. Or digital marketing and stuff like that. Translation is another good
0: digital nomad job. Definitely. You have to build yourself up in that case as well. Which you have to mm-hmm. in most of these cases anyway.
1: Also, yeah, like virtual assistants, things like that, mm-hmm. I think, can be oh, yeah. done from anywhere. So
0: I think being a digital nomad, it's not an easy thing. Especially if you're working on your own company, it requires a lot of self-discipline Yeah, to make sure that you push yourself and actually work and you don't
1: just lay by the beach all the time right and so much planning as well like you are planning your business and trying to grow that and working and planning your travels and your lodging so a lot of times I think people stay in one place like a month or maybe like three to four months and then they move to a new place yeah so it's not necessarily like you're traveling every day but like a mid-length amount of time that you're maybe in a place yeah
0: I can definitely see the appeal of being a digital nomad but I can imagine that it would get old very fast I mean especially when like we were talking about being minimalist you really mm-hmm. don't have a choice you can't buy every bracelet that you want at a market. <laughs> and yeah, it is kind of nice to just be able to pick up trinkets. Yeah. So that's something that you really need to think about. Like every small purchase you make when you're traveling as a digital nomad is going to be on your back. I prefer this version where I have a hub and I go traveling and then I come back to my hub.
1: You have a home base. Yeah. And also, I mean, this is something maybe silly but like your own bed and your own sheets it's hard to get everything like just the way you want it mm-hmm. and it usually takes a long time to kind of like build it up
0: that's totally true and when you're traveling staying somewhere three to four months it might take you the first month to kind of figure out the stuff that you like
1: mm-hmm. and you might be doing a home exchange or something like that so it's somebody else's home but you're just living there but then on the other hand, I'm like, oh, but it sounds so fun. Yeah. So shall we talk about some different categories of different traveling jobs?
0: Yeah. Well, the biggest category we have is jobs that require travel. So obviously teaching English is a second language. That's What we're doing, and it's a really easy way to make money when you're traveling. The other nice thing is, in most cases, ESL jobs are not too demanding of your time and energy, unless you're in South Korea, like I was. And in that case, Mm -hmm. I was totally dead every week. But you know, a lot of times when you teach English as a second language, you have time to do other things like have a podcast or a blog or. Whatever you're passionate about, mm-hmm. it allows you to pursue those passions. Or if you want to get
1: certified in bloglotties,
0: bloglotties, yeah. <laughs> that's not
1: pop-lotties. the word. Pop-lotties. In poplotties. Yeah, definitely. And another good thing is it's a pretty low barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. So you can get a certification for teaching English as a foreign language, a TEFL or a CELTA. Mm-hmm. Some programs don't require even that. Yeah. Usually you need a bachelor's degree, though, in most cases. Usually a bachelor's, yeah. And I guess like a clean record. Yeah. (laughs) It helps a lot to be a native speaker, but it's not a requirement. Right.
0: Especially in places Mm -hmm. like China, where even though it seems like there are a lot of native speakers here, the proportion of English teachers to the population is still just so low. So I've met... Russians and people from Africa who teach ESL because they speak English well and they can get a visa to do it.
1: That's great. Yeah. Even here, I mean, a lot of Spanish people are English teachers. Mm-hmm. So it's not only for English natives. Another job that you can do as a travel job is a no
0: pair. I know a few people who have been au pairs and they really like it. It's also a job that doesn't necessarily require too much brain energy, although I think it really depends on the family that you get matched with. Yeah. Because in some cases, you might not like your family, and they might not like you, and then it's a rough year.
1: Right. Or you might have to move suddenly or something like that. By the way, an au pair,
0: if you don't know, it's somebody to take care of children around the house.
1: Yeah. And usually they live with the family Mm -hmm. although some au pair jobs in Madrid are you can live in your own place Mm -hmm. but you get the children ready for school usually maybe pick them up from school Mm -hmm. and a lot of the times the goal is so that the children learn that language whatever it is yeah English or German or French or Chinese or whatever the family wants
0: their children to learn really yeah and it's really cool that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely a low barrier to entry. I think you can get it with a lot of times the, just a high school degree, but I'm not sure. Mhm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Another one we have is flight attendants and pilots. So, obviously the air travel industry. We mentioned that a little bit. Ugh, it must be so hard on your body.
1: Yeah, but at the same time you get to you have to travel for work, obviously. Yeah. But you get to have some layovers and some probably longer stays I think sometimes the schedules can be worked around so that you have a week off during the month or something like Mm -hmm. that
0: yeah when I lived in Barcelona my landlord's roommate was a flight attendant Mm -hmm. and she worked like Two weeks and months.
1: Wow.
0: I mean, when she did work, her schedule was rough. She would go somewhere, stay for like 24 hours, hop back on the plane, go somewhere else.
1: So another one that we have is you could be a tour director or a tour guide. Mm -hmm. So basically the difference is tour directors are usually on a more extended trip and they're like in charge of running everything. So they might not be the actual guide. Mm everywhere that they go but they're in charge of basically herding the sheep and making them yeah have a fun a safe trip and taking care of anything that goes wrong yeah and a lot of times they'll be translating and things like that right and a tour guide usually is for shorter things mm-hmm. like you might go on a tour while you're in Paris and learn about the history or something like that right So, another one we have is tour guide or a tour director.
0: Yeah. I actually know somebody who organizes trips and then acts as the tour guide when he goes on them. Oh, cool. It's a pretty nice gig, yeah. Or you can be just a local tour guide. That seems like a lot of fun as well.
1: Yeah, and it's something I think that's fairly easy to move once you have the skill. Obviously, if you go to a new place, you're going to have to you know, learn new information and history or food or whatever kind of tour you're going to be giving. But the skill, I think, is pretty transferable if you can captivate an audience and be engaging.
0: Yeah, exactly. And actually, another tour guide I met when we were on our honeymoon in Rome. He did a walking tour of one neighborhood in Rome that was really, really good. And he was just an American living in Rome. And He'd gotten his citizenship and he loved it there. So that's a really great way to move to a place, maybe even.
1: Yeah, I mean, actually, I think that would be really cool. I've looked at doing it in Madrid as well.
0: I mean, no way. That's cool.
1: I think it would be really, really fun. But you have to have like your autonomous license you're self-employed uh, like a business license right yeah. and i can't do that yet so <laughs> but maybe when i finally can i would look into doing that is
0: that the kind of visa you're working on
1: i have a student oh okay nice yeah
0: cool well another job that requires you to travel if you're in the medical profession there are a lot of jobs there too
1: yeah like what is it doctors without borders
0: mm-hmm doctors without borders there are medical mission tours dental mission tours and traveling nurses are huge Have yes, you heard of this? yeah
1: for sure yeah. that's a really big one and like you can go anywhere really
0: you can go anywhere usually all of your housing is paid for mm-hmm. and they make a lot of money they just get sent to places i don't know how much choice they have over where they're going
1: I don't either. But isn't it like you work for maybe like three months or like six months or something in a place? Mm -hmm. Is that about how long?
0: Yeah, exactly. I knew one traveling nurse. She was in her place for six months and I think she signed up for another six months. And then she had the option to sign permanently with the hospital, maybe. I might be remembering that wrong. Oh,
1: that's really cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think hospitals, especially in the U.S., hospitals are so desperate for nurses that that's kind of like China is so desperate for ESL teachers. Yeah. <laughs> that that's a really nice thing to get into. Yeah,
1: that makes sense. So then I would say we have kind of like instructor jobs. Yeah. And we can talk about scuba, surfing, yoga, mm-hmm.
0: other kinds of yeah. fitness.
1: You could include in that. Totally, yeah. Scuba
0: is actually a pretty good exercise. Is it? Turns out. Yeah, it really wears you out. The scuba instructor I had in Vietnam was like this French dude who grew up in Fiji, and yeah, his life was great. <laughs> he just lived in this paradise and was a scuba instructor. Did he
1: live there full time or did he travel? I want
0: to say he lived there for a few months and then he would get some time off. And really, this is this kind of goes along with another one we have on the list, which is seasonal jobs, mm-hmm. where you just follow the weather to the biggest tourist attraction.
1: Yeah, definitely. Oh, and skiing instructor that's another one
0: right yeah if you can do both scuba and ski you can totally get the best of both worlds
1: yeah (laughs) or surfing as well
0: oh yeah oh man a scuba
1: slash ski
0: slash surfing
1: instructor it sounds like a really fun life right one time we picked up a hitchhiker in idaho and during the summer he did like horseback riding tours and like climbing trips yeah. And in the winter, he worked at a ski resort, I think. And we picked him up hitchhiking. He was like at the bottom of the mountain and he just wanted to go to the top. He had a skateboard and he would skateboard down.
0: <laughs> what? Wow, that's crazy.
1: So that was his life too. Yeah, yeah.
0: You can do whatever you want.
1: Yeah. I like it. He lived like between Idaho and Utah, I think.
0: Nice. A photographer or any kind of artist. Writer, photographer, painter.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think I feel like it's easier with things that are not like you don't need a lot of equipment, if that Mm. makes sense, you know, like, for painting. I mean, obviously, you can take paints with you and canvas or whatever. But I think it's easier with photography, like you do have gear, of course. Mm-hmm. But mostly it's digital now, and yeah, so you can upload it to your computer and edit it, and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. You don't need like a studio, I guess. Yeah, that's true.
0: I guess when you're a traveling photographer, you're probably going to take pictures of where you're going.
1: Yeah, either destinations or also different cultures or stuff like that. So it's more based on that. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Yeah. If you're a good photographer, that would be a nice way to do it.
0: Yeah, definitely to experience where you're going.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah.
0: This one was really crafty, Uh importing stuff to sell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the article we were reading about it was, like, you can pick up some bangles in India for, like, 50 cents or f- 20, 25 cents, and then sell them on Etsy for, like, $15. Yeah. <laughs> Make a lot of money off of your investment.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit sad, almost. <laughs> yeah. Like... Yeah. But you are kind of finding a hole in the market. hmm But the person who sold it, it's just kind of sad that they don't get the profits. Right. That they could. Yeah,
0: yeah just because they don't have access to that market.
1: Yeah. But anyway, it could be a way, like, maybe you're not going to get rich doing that. hmm Because you're probably just taking, like, stuff that you can carry back with you. But it's a way to, like, maybe fund some of your traveling as well.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, if you sell, if you can set up a store, it's a really easy way to make that money and for really not doing anything.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: You don't have to put any effort or resources into labor and the cost is minimal. So I actually know somebody who sells Turkish jewelry in the US and oh, really? it's like Turkish silver. Mm-hmm. She might be listening, Laura. And yeah, she has a store in the US and they just import all their jewelry
1: Wow, like a brick and mortar store. Mhm. Nice. Yeah. Where's that? It's
0: cool. In Charleston.
1: Cool. So this one's pretty fun. It's being an extra in Bollywood. Yeah, Bollywood makes
0: over twice as many films as Hollywood, and they're always looking for foreign actors. So that was really interesting. Yeah,
1: I wonder how you really actually get into that.
0: Actually, I had there was a job post in China about being a Bollywood actor, and I thought it was really. Late. Yeah, I thought it was a sham. And I emailed the guy because I was like, I want to be in Bollywood. <laughs> and he was like, send me some pictures of yourself. And so I sent like a headshot and of me like somewhere in China. And he was like, please send more pictures. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm done. <laughs> it's getting too weird because I wasn't sure if it was real, but it was probably real. Maybe. In retrospect.
1: But yeah, I would have
0: had to go to India. Yeah. To do it. It's pretty cool though. It
1: is. It'd be fun. And you could say you were in a Bollywood movie. I mean...
0: Totally, yeah. <laughs> well, Bollywood is so beautiful. Mm hmm. Another one, if you have dreamed of going to Australia or New Zealand, it's very common to get a traveling work visa, usually there for about a year. Yeah. It used to be that you had to be under 30 to get this visa, but the requirements for Australia have just changed. They lowered the cost of it, and they increased the age, so now you have to be
1: under 35. Yeah, and it's really cool. Mostly they're you know in the service industry or hospitality or construction. I think. Hmm. But yeah, it's really cool. It's a great way to go to Australia because let's face it, it's an expensive country, and it's yeah, like it's expensive to get there from most places. So it's a really good way to fund longer term stay there.
0: Yeah, and you get minimum wage, which in Australia is really high. Yeah, so it's something like 18 or 20 dollars an hour like Australian dollars yeah but it's definitely enough to live off of and keep traveling yeah it's awesome and Australians are really used to this system so a lot of their industries are set up around knowing they're going to have migrant labor Ooh. and then Finally, we have the Foreign Service or the Peace Corps. I know a lot of people who have done it. I never tried to do it because I'm stubborn and I'm like, (laughs) I don't want to do something where the uh, entry process takes like a year or more. Yeah. And I like being able to choose where I'm going. That's one downside of the Peace Corps and the Foreign Service is you often don't get much of a choice over that. You can put in like preferences, but...
1: Yeah, I knew some people also who went into the Peace Corps after college, Mm -hmm. and it seemed like a really great experience. Oh,
0: yeah. People love it. Yeah. It really opens doors as well.
1: Definitely. Yeah, it's really well seen as um, kind of a career starter.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Resume builder. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. you get your foot in the door in government organizations, so... I met some older people who were all in the Peace Corps together, and they all have these cool foreign service jobs in the end.
1: That's cool. Yeah. It's really competitive, too. So if you can get it, that's amazing.
0: Definitely. Yeah, that's true.
1: Cool. So let's move on and talk about some digital nomad jobs. Mm Mm-hmm. So we already talked about being an ESL teacher for some different online companies. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are based in China, but not all of them. Right. So take that into consideration, especially if you're in like the American continent, the time differences get a little unmanageable sometimes. Mm-hmm. You might be working from like three to six every day or something. Yeah. yeah. In the morning.
0: Right. The <laughs> yeah exactly. I think to work for v i p kids specifically, you have to be in a certain country, but their list is usually growing of the countries that work in that case,
1: yeah most of them have like their requirements of like some certain speed and they only allow you to be in like specific countries that typically have better internet right exactly.
0: Another one I already forgot what drop shipping means,
1: so drop shipping is basically, you have a product, but you don't ever have it in your hands. So you do all the marketing and all of the business part of it. Mm -hmm. But let's say you want to drop ship, I don't know, t shirts or something like that. Mm -hmm. So basically, you find a manufacturer and then you find a warehouse and then all the orders get routed through there. And so you never have to touch the product and it just sells and you make the profits. It's a pretty good deal. Yeah. I think a lot of people do that, something like that
0: in China right now. They do white labeling where you just get something made in a factory and you buy it and then you sell it on Amazon under your own label. Yeah. It's a pretty nice gig, too, because everything is so cheap here. So sometimes I'll see something for like the equivalent of five dollars on the Chinese kind of like Alibaba or mm-hmm. it's their Amazon, basically. And then I'll see the same thing on Amazon for like 20 bucks.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a big difference.
0: It's a big margin. Yeah. Affiliate marketing is another one.
1: Mhm. Yeah, I think the thing about affiliate marketing is you already kind of need an audience.
0: Totally, yeah. So
1: it's not something that you can just start doing tomorrow and be making money. Right. It's something that you have to grow over a long period of time.
0: Yeah, usually it's people who are bloggers and have a big following on their blog. They will put links in their articles or in their posts
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and to things that people can buy. And then people buy them and then they make some of the profit.
1: Yeah, get a little commission. Right, exactly. It's a good idea. Mm Mm-hmm. There are lots of different types of freelance things that you could do as a digital nomad as well. Mm Mm-hmm. We talked about writing. Translating. Copy editing.
0: Oh, yeah. That's a big one. Well, and for copy editing, like writing for tech companies, because... Mm There are so many copy editing jobs in China where I know people who do them and then they just, because they're ESL teachers, and so they teach, and then when they're not teaching, they do copy editing, and they almost double their income sometimes from that.
1: Wow, yeah, that's really good.
0: Yeah, there are so many companies that really need it here. Yeah. (laughs) There aren't as many foreigners, so good for us. Another one that I'm unfortunately not blessed with is playing the stock market. If You're, you're good... not
1: blessed with a talent? Or... Yeah,
0: yes. I am unfortunately not blessed with this talent. Yeah, I'm not a good guesser or gambler. And yeah, reading the market is not my strong point.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something you have to study and dedicate a lot of time to. Mm-hmm. I have not done so either. Mm-hmm. But it is a way that people earn a living, mm-hmm. and there is money to be made, of course, yeah, but it is it can be risky, I mean,-, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, you get stuck in Uzbekistan because you made the wrong bet on the stock market,
1: yeah, well, hopefully you don't have all your stocks and <laughs> in one thing,
0: it's really living life on the edge,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Finally, we have some backpacker travel jobs. If you have backpacked much, you've probably gone to a hostel and thought, hey, person working this hostel doesn't really seem like they're from here.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's because they're usually backpackers.
1: Yeah. So a lot of times you can ask a hostel before you go there if they need any help, and then you could get A gig, you know, working the front desk or preparing food or
0: Mm -hmm. working the bar.
1: Yeah, working the bar or even like offering a class if you're a yoga instructor or I've heard of people offering to take photographs of the hostel if they weren't the best Mm -hmm. and they're pretty good. Photographer, and then it's not that they're probably going to pay you, but you'll get free lodging. Mm hmm. Yeah. And sometimes some food out of it too. Yeah. These jobs are not really jobs. They're not like careers. It's not like making an income or something. Yeah. But it is a way to make your travel less expensive.
0: Mm hmm. Especially if you're going long term. Mm hmm. I've also met somebody, I do not remember where this was that I met a German person at, like, a hostel in the Caribbean, I want to say. And she was like, oh, yeah, I'm doing my internship in hospitality. And it was like, this is quite the internship. <laughs> like, yeah. their life is so easy. They're, like, living at a hostel and working the front desk. And, like, when they're not working, they get to go to the beach. It's a pretty nice gig. Right. I mean, pff- I would do that. Yeah, totally. Another gig is Woofing. Worldwide opportunities on organic farms. I've met people who've done this. They mm -hmm, worked a few hours a day, and they were usually done by the morning or at the latest early afternoon. And then they just got to go check out the countryside in the meantime. They did it for like maybe two weeks. Mm -hmm. Like rural
1: Thailand, I want to say. Cool. I had a friend who did it in... I want to say Australia. Mm, it's awesome. And I think you did it like for a couple months, yeah, it seemed like a really cool gig, yeah, it's a great idea. So you get free lodging, you get food, mm-hmm. and can you get paid or not? I think it's usually a volunteer opportunity, okay. yeah. so anyway, you get to visit a country and stay for free, mm-hmm. for working a few hours a day, which is pretty sweet, right, definitely. And you get to learn about farming, organic farming. I mean, that's awesome, too. Mm -hmm. I know nothing about farming, so. Right. It's like a really cool life skill to learn.
0: Totally. Yeah. Maybe I'll do that next year. It'd be really fun. Yeah. Two more opportunities to volunteer abroad are HelpX and WorkAway. And we'll post the links to woofing HelpX and WorkAway on our show notes for this episode. They're all really good opportunities to give back as well as live somewhere for free. And in the case of HelpX and WorkAway, you can use other skills. So with HelpX, you can do teaching ESL, translating, painting, hostel work, watching kids, farming, and then work away is very similar. It's just kind of basically more more opportunities than just woofing.
1: Yeah, and those are also volunteer opportunities, so again, it's just a way for you to do something cool in a different country, get experience doing something maybe, mm-hmm. and experience the culture and the country at at the same time which is awesome
0: yeah and in most of these cases you just have to pay for getting there basically and whatever else Mm -hmm. you want to do while you're there this is a little bit off topic but you might have heard of like volunteering in a cambodian orphanage don't do that (laughs) they're often scams yes Because at some point it got really popular to volunteer in a a Cambodian orphanage. So scammers found out this is a really great way that they can make money. So they set up fake orphanages and took children (laughs) from their parents. Yeah. Okay, so I think that's pretty much it. House-sitting? House-sitting would be cool. It's literally no work. Just try to stay in the same place every night. (laughs) House-sitting.
1: Yeah, or you might take care of plants or animals, pets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but really it's cool. pretty nice. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty much it. I think so. I mean, obviously there are others, but that's some highlights.
0: Exactly. Yeah, so if you are hoping to work and travel, I hope we've given you some ideas. If you have more ideas that you would like to share with us, obviously don't hesitate to reach out. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you.
1: Yeah, you can reach out on social media or through our website. And if we hear something really interesting, we might share it somehow.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, if you tell us something that's really interesting, maybe we'll talk about it on the next episode. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Well, if that's everything, I think we don't have a lost in translation moment this week. We are waiting for your lost in translation moments. So please send
1: them to us at Language Nerds to Earth at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can just make a little voice memo on your phone or you can type it out and send it to us by email. We even have a simple way to record on our website. So yeah, we've got all the ways covered. Yep. All you have to do is. It's just do it.
0: Yeah. Just record it. <laughs> or just send it to us. So, yeah, send us your Lost in Translation moment. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get all the fresh
1: episodes as soon as they're ready. Yeah. And also follow us on social media. We're on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. And that way you'll stay up to date throughout the week on what we're up to.
0: And if you could leave us a review on iTunes, that would be wonderful. Reviews really help people find us and it only takes a second.
1: And please tell your friends or your family if you enjoyed it and think they would too. It really helps to spread the love as well. Our next episode, we're going to talk about Icelandic.
0: What? A whole episode dedicated
1: to one language? That's (laughs) right. You heard it first from me. (laughs) And if you like the show Vikings, you'll be interested because it's pretty close to what the Vikings spoke, so. Ooh, that's so crazy. Well,
0: looking forward to that. I think that's it. All right. Have a good day, everybody. Yeah, thanks for listening.
1: Bye. Bye.